Welcome to MoFo Perspectives, a podcast by Morrison and Forrester, where we share the perspectives of our clients, colleagues, subject matter experts, and lawyers. Hello, and welcome to Impactful Conversations, a podcast hosted by Morrison and Forrester, featuring the good work of our impact investment and social enterprise clients, friends, and partners. I am Jesse Finfrock, an associate in our San Francisco office, and today I'm joined by Ken Doctor, who is the founder of Lookout Local PBC. Ken Doctor's work centers on the transformation of consumer media in the digital age. A veteran of the digital media industry, he combines deep experience as an executive in strategy, revenue models, and journalism. His experience includes 21 years with Knight Ritter, as well as time spent in the worlds of licensing, corporate development, business development, and syndication. He is perhaps best known as the author of Newsonomics, 12 New Trends That Will Shape the News You Get. Ken writes the popular Newsonomics column for the Neiman Journalism Lab at Harvard and is regularly featured on Politico and CNN and other media outlets. Newsonomics is the word he coined to describe this new discipline of understanding the money flow within the print and broadcast transition to digital. So uh, just to start us off, I was hoping you could tell us what is Lookout Local PBC uh, and why did you start it? You know, what, what role do you see it playing in the media landscape going forward? Sure. Well, in brief, uh, Lookout Local is an am- ambitious effort to begin repopulating the news deserts across the United States. In my, my last career, which I think has been my fourth as a news analyst, I've been covering the changes in the business of news for 15 years now since I left Knight Ritter Newspapers. And in that, I've been lucky enough to talk to the smartest and uh, people who have done the best business models from the Financial Times that essentially invented the reader paywall to uh, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post with their successes, what Guardian is doing, and some smaller successes as well. At the same time, the what I found myself doing is chronicling the the absolute um, disaster of the local news business. Uh, in, in fact, Michael Wolf, who went on to become famous with one of his Trump books, well, at one time called me the necrologist of the newspaper industry because I was writing a lot about death and destruction of local newspapers. And that's been awful, resulting in the term news deserts. I also talk about ghost newspapers, the kinds of papers that still publish but don't have much in them. So about a year and a half ago, almost two, um, I kind of put together two parts of my life. One is uh, my entire history as a journalist and my belief that journalism and local journalism is the basis of really local democracy and people being able to make decisions that are going to solve problems rather than have problems fester, as we have done too much in this country. And um, I put that, put that all together with where I live. And I live in uh, Santa Cruz County. I live in Aptos. And uh, I think this place is best described as paradise with a lot of problems. Everybody comes and visits. It's wonderful. Uh, and it is a wonderful place, but it also uh, has a high incidence of homelessness, affordability among the, the worst in the country, Um, major transportation problems, a lot of inequities, and even immigration problems. Yet, uh, it's a news desert. So, Lookout Local is my model, which really looked at with a uh, blank whiteboard 
what it would take to create local, strong news media that could earn their own way along after seed or, or uh, philanthropic funding at the beginning. And that's what, that's what we're going forth with, and that will be coming out uh, later uh, this year. So you elected to form Lookout Local as a public benefit corporation. You have a, a clear public mission built into your business. And after a lot of careful research, including discussions with, with us and our team um, and conversations with investors and, and funders, you elected to become a Delaware Public Benefit Corporation, uh, which is a type of new corporation that requires balancing fiduciary duties, uh, the traditional fiduciary duties to stockholders with the social or environmental purpose that you write into your charter documents. So I guess first, uh, and just quickly, what is your, your what is your social or environmental purpose that you outline in your charter? It's uh, pretty simple. It is to provide the uh, news and information needs for the local communities we serve. And that's great. pretty basic, and that, that sums it up well. Great, great. So, so why did you ultimately decide to become a PBC? Can you take us through your, your thinking on that? Sure. So uh, it, it, back all the days when I was in that, that newsroom at Knight Ritter, Knight Ritter was making 20% profits. It was considered uh, one of the best companies editorially in the business. And um, for many decades, that company symbolized what was best about the American press, that you could run a successful business, pay people well, hire talent, and serve a civic mission. That really worked very well for decades. As the local business has fallen apart, people have tried uh, various things that haven't worked. I think a lot of people have forgotten the mission, and some people have forgotten the business. So this is an effort to recreate that idea that you can be and need to be a strong business, smartly run at the speed of business, with the diversification of revenue of a business, Yet the reason that you're doing this kind of business, the reason I'm doing this kind of business, is mission. Um, you know, I wouldn't be starting a business uh, now just, just to start a business. It's the, the clear need in Santa Cruz and in really hundreds of communities across the country and, in fact, the Western world. When I looked at the PBC, it, it, so kind of spiritually it met that, but then as we plumbed it, and as, as you and I talked about it, uh, it, it provided that solid foundation for being able to uh, be proud of the mission, put that uh, front and center, uh, both in the, the structure of the company, but also talk about it as I have when I've talked about Lookout nationally. And at the same time, be able to raise capital and uh, to a very important point, be able to uh, interview and endorse political candidates as we become a primary news medium in the communities we serve. Nonprofits are fine, but they are more limited. They cannot do the kind of political endorsements that communities often need, and they are more limited in how they can run their business. So I want as much wide running room to fulfill the mission, and PBC does, seems to do that best. So how do people react, investors, partners, public? How do folks react when you tell them you're a PBC and explain what that means? Uh, I, what I found is that as logical as it is, and as quickly as I got it when it was explained to me, um, it's a very new phenomenon uh, in, in, the, uh, in, in the marketplace, especially the social impact marketplace. 
people go like, what? Oh, I didn't know about that. How does that work? And um, and then they go, okay, yeah, that that, that sounds really interesting. Uh, they say, oh, that must be like a B Corp. So then oftentimes have to explain the difference between what PVC structure is and B Corp. Uh, then there is... Huh, the, I love that. I love it, Ken. I'm a man after my own heart. <laughs> and then uh, and then we go out and then we, we go down. So, okay, so is it an investment vehicle like any other for-profit company in terms of... Uh, you know, equity, convertible debt at the beginning. And then uh, over time, as, uh, as I talk to many people, uh, both explain that, explain Lookout overall, it turns out that they are also interested in the ability to get a tax deduction. So when you look at it, and, I, I, and this was crystallized in one conversation I had with a potential investor. And he heard it. He had marked up my whole presentation. He said, I'm really high on this. I think this is a great idea. Here's some tips. And I said, okay, great. Can you, can you uh, support it? And he said, well, I'd really like to, but I have over here my money that I put into venture and I want really high returns over here with his left hand. And with his right hand, he said, and here's my philanthropic bucket over here. And you are kind of in between. So I'm not sure where you fit. So I've run into that problem, and at the same time, as people have understood both that it can be uh, an investment and, and or it can be a, a philanthropic donation because the IRS just wants to make sure, as it should, that the money would go for the same kind of public good that you would put money into a, a 501c3 for. And so as I've done that, the, the learning so far, and all this is in progress, we've raised enough money to launch, but we'll be raising more for cushion and capacity and expansion. So far, most of the money has been in grant form where people will take a tax deduction early on and, uh, and be happy that they are supporting something they believe in and see the money go to local journalism. In the future, we then have more flexibility, both to take in more money like that, as long as it goes directly to journalism, and also to expand the business uh, through uh, debt and equity. Great. Uh, and you, you had, as you mentioned, some, a fair amount of success, and you've raised uh, a fair amount of funding, what we call non-dilutive capital from individuals, foundations, and, and DAFs. And, and largely, this is because you are pursuing this charitable purpose that is then outlined in your, your PBC documents. Um, but you're also working with nonprofit organizations to, to help you manage some of that. So what was the conversations with those nonprofit foundations and organizations that are uh, helping you process some of that? So what I've found is in general, even in the foundation community, is that it's pretty uneven knowledge of, of PBCs. I, in fact, was in Miami just before the, uh, the COVID shutdowns. Uh, there is a big annual conference that the Knight Foundation does. Knight Foundation is one of our funders along with, uh, with Google. And uh, the Knight Foundation brings together hundreds, really, of community foundations around the, uh, around the country once a year. I found just in talking to people that it was pretty unfamiliar to most of them how PBCs work at this point. So um, in, with the ones that I have worked with, um, some have known about it and are able to process it and understand the, 
the term, one of the many terms I've learned is expenditure responsibility and basically reviewing to make sure that it is a, a charitable purpose and public good. But there are others that don't. And overall, when you stand back from this, in raising money, I think in getting money anywhere in life, <laughs> you want to put as little friction between you and your money source. So what, what PBCs have meant is that they offer very wide flexibility but they do take more time to educate potential money sources. So it is a balancing act. I think it may change over time. But in the media space, for instance, uh, the only other operations I know that are doing this are ones that are really in podcasting and, and audio. So I think it is continuing to be an educational process. I think that as Lookout goes forward and we announce our launch date and plans, and we will talk about, in fact, this structure and how we think this structure, for some people at least, is superior to a 501c3 structure because of its flexibility. And I'm hoping that in addition to the kind of business and product models we're talking about with Lookout, people will also look at PBCs because I think it's a very smart way to go. Great, thank you. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that some other journalism organizations are, are looking at PPCs as well, including This American Life, PRX, uh, Public Media Group. So it's it's starting to get out there a little bit in the in the journalism space. Uh, so thank you for taking us through that. In the last minute or so here, uh, what comes next for you and Lookout Local as you grow your, your, your model and look to expand in, in other locations? What are the big next steps for 2020 and 2021? So the first thing we have to do, you know, even with our broad, ambitious programs and believing we are a national model, is get it right. So we are totally focused on the building of the product, in fact, starting the building of the digital product, which takes four months this week. We are starting to hire uh, and hire well. I think talent is absolute key to making this work as well as the, as well as the vision of, of, uh, of the model itself. And so we are gonna work diligently to get this first model up and to get it successful. And we'll be looking at the engagement, the audience metrics, and, of course, the revenue ramp. To the extent that those are successful, and I think we'll have a good sense within the first six months, um, we already have gotten a lot of inquiries from people who, who know what Lookout is overall and are interested in having a Lookout in their community. So we're not committing to any other place till we get the first one right. But the product itself is architected to work in many places with, with very strong local content, I should add. But the, uh, the actual product itself, the business model, is transportable. And what we would hope as we get into mid-2021 and beyond is that the Lookout model changes the conversation. Maybe Lookout Local expands a lot itself uh, through O&Os, could be franchise. There are a number of ways to do it. But the main thing I want to do is change the conversation and repopulate these news deserts. So it's going to be a, a continuing adventure over the next two years. Great. Ken, thank you very much for joining us. Please make sure to subscribe to the MoFo Perspectives podcast so you don't miss an episode. 